welcome to our special webinar we're having today. This is John Locke for BlockingYourSuccess.com. We're speaking with Wayne Klump from Black Peer Capital. He's going to be discussing the Contango Curve Apex Capture through environmental skewing. So it's a pretty crazy name we've got going on there. should be an interesting webinar. Before we get going, we'd like to remind you that this presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker-dealers or financial advisors. We're not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, please be aware that your risk in trading options is substantial, and make sure you are aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades. We may have uh, some, computer uh, some hypothetical computer simulated trades that are shown and or results if they are shown, they are believed to be as accurately represented as, po as uh, possible. However, be aware that live results can vary. Well, welcome, Wayne. Oh, thank you, John. I'm glad to be back. Yes, it's good. It's great to have you back again. I'm going to make you presenter. Ah, there we are. All right. That's how we want it to be right there. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So what is it about this contango curve apex capture thing going on? <laughs> you know, we're about to talk about that. But it's, I, I did want to have a discussion about it more of not necessarily a, a, a full-on presentation, but more of just kind of like a, a non-formal brainstorming, kind of just showing the data, things that I run across that, honestly, it's, it's – it, it's fascinating to me, but, you know, of course, it depends on who you're talking to because, like, I talked to my wife about this, and she shuts down after, like, four words. Um, <laughs> or anybody normal would shut down after four words, but, you know, less, we happen to be tremendously interested, so. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I guess I'll start getting through this. You know, he already went, uh, John already went through a disclaimer, so I'm not even going to touch base on that. Um, so, kind of what we're going to go through today is, is, is what is contango, if, you, if you're not even familiar with the word, because uh, actually what's funny is a lot of like word processing and things, they don't even pull up contango as a word. It's like not even defined, so it's actually kind of funny, it's almost not a word, but uh, you know, why does it exist, how does it impact your trades, and then uh, how can we use it to our advantage, or at least sometimes make sure that it's not disadvantaging us uh, uh, more than what we assume. Uh, so to kind of get things going here, let's talk about the definition. This is a, a very famous contango, or at least I feel like it's famous. Uh, the VIX contango is uh, something that the definition of is uh, in futures and options trading, a system of pricing whereby longer-term contracts are priced higher than near-term contracts. This is a, a phenomenon, but it's, it's not too crazy when we start to describe things. Uh, but basically, with this graph, you can see that, let me get my little nifty laser pointer. Uh, you can see on this graph, this is the value of the contract. So this is a futures contract. This is the value of a contract. And this is uh, basically which month it's in. And this is expiration going to the left. Uh, so this is where it starts out and as it decays in time. So this is very similar to an options. And options have the same contangos but they might have a little bit different. So why do contangos even show up? What are they? Well, it's because time, and we tend to value time. Uh, but this is what's an interesting thing is, is we tend to think, at least intuitively, or at least I tend to think, that time is linear. So today, for example, um, 
today is, say, we just put a value on the time of today. So say today is worth $100. Uh, so therefore, 10 days from now, if you've got 10 days, it's $100, it should be worth $1,000, right? Uh, so, so 10 days, 10 period, a period of 10 days should be worth $1,000, and so on and so forth. And it should be a linear slope, uh, or at least the thought of it. So, and everyone has a different perception of time, though. So now, let me, let me, let me talk about this. Here's an example of a different time value. So you, we've got, say I give you a hypothetical question, and I ask you, okay, if I offered you a million dollars today or a million, a $1.1 million 10 years from now, which one would you take? And the vast majority of people that you would ask this simple question to would say, I'd take a million dollars today. Well, so obviously 10 years is not worth $100,000 which just it starts to now it starts to solidify why there's a contango in the first place. Because if I want something today and I'm going to have something, you have to pay me more for it in the future if I have to wait for it. Um, this is actually a simple concept that uh, businesses use, uh, such as credit card companies. These credit card companies... Boy, they make a they they do a strong strong push on this because you really want something today and you're actually willing to pay more for it uh, later. And depending on how much you want it depends on how much you're willing to pay for it later. So, you know, if you're really desperate to get something today, you're like, oh, well, I'll pay that twenty nine percent interest on a credit card. Hopefully, you don't have one of those. Hopefully, it's more like you know, sixteen or something like that, or fourteen or twelve. But um, you know, it, it's it's this phenomenon that we have that that, that this it, human behavior, human uh, psychology is that we we really put a lot of precedence on today and the time we spend today, and not necessarily on the on the future. So we're we're willing to pay more for it, which also means that we have to demand more for it if we have to wait for it. Um, so to go back to something about human behavior and how this kind of affects uh, different things. So I studied behavior analysis in uh, my undergrad. Uh, I also studied business. Um, and we, I ran, we were presented, I mean, this is before I was ever really uh, heavy into the markets, uh, but we were presented with this Harvard study that I, I can't find because I believe that it's not publicly available. Um, so I'm giving this out of memory uh, but if anyone actually does run across the Harvard study, it was a uh, it was a experiment that was done on the psychology of bubbles and uh, how asset uh, how assets uh, change with pressure. So this is the experiment that happened. I'm going to hold on here. Uh, so so this is time down here. Um, this is time down here, and this is value. So what happened was, and this is zero, and this is, uh, it was actually only 10 minutes. It was very quick. Uh, so if you start off from, from this point, what happened was is everyone was given 100 units 
worth a hundred dollars a piece. Okay, and so this is one hundred, and this is one hundred. Um, when you first started out, you could buy or sell more units, or sell you know units, and every time you sold a unit, or every time you bought a unit, it was, uh, I'm sorry, here, give me one second here. Uh, sorry for my delay. Uh, every time that you bought and sold, it would, put, it would push the price down or it would push the price up. And so they wanted to test the psychology of this. And what happened was actually very interesting, or at least it's interesting to me. And this shows up over and over and over and over again. So originally you start out and everything's going fine and people start selling actually because the psychology they asked the people in the beginning was, well, if it was worth 100 at the end and we started out at 100, it's at its maximum value. So why not just sell it? But then it pushed it down. Uh, and then, so then you had some buyers step in actually because they're like, well, it's cheaper than what it's going to end at. And then it started pushing up. And then what happened is you actually started getting this excitement behind it. And you're like, wait, what's going on? So then the people that sold in the beginning started buying more. And people that were selling were demanding a higher price. And it was actually just like the markets. It's the, the, the ask was just cranking it higher. And it basically made this curve where it started to do this. And it's, it held on, held on. And you're kind of like, what is going on? And they're not watching this curve. They're just bid and asking. And then what ended up happening was right before the last minute, it just dropped like a brick all the way down to zero because it was forced to get down there and everyone had this, this realization from this time to this time that we're overvalued. It was kind of like a dawning effect, like, wait a second here. I'm paying way too much for this. Uh, and basically all the buyers just bailed. Um, so they started selling all of what they had. And this phenomenon, this curve, uh, this, this curve where you have this swoop is going to show up over and over and over and over again as we talk about uh, contango. So keep this little experiment in mind as we're moving forward. That's a great experiment. I like that. It, it, it's, it's crazy. And I'm sure, you know, as you've been in the market for so long, you probably see, you've probably seen this pattern before, right? We've seen it before, yeah, and and we've actually done games that that kind of mimic this also. It's, it's kind of it's it's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's cool to watch when people don't know what's happening. Right, right, right. Yeah, they have no precedence of what's actually going to, and and you wouldn't think that it would happen. You wouldn't. I just it it never made intuitive sense to me, but it's just amazing that it does actually happen. Um, so here we're gonna from this point. So we go from an experimental phase, and we're gonna look at. Okay, how does this even impact the market? So I'm going to show you the first real contango curve. Um, so, for example, this is uh, time at the bottom, uh, time, which is in DTE, uh, till expiration, a day is till expiration. And then uh, this is also the value over here. Now, I put extrinsic value over here because this is using an at-the-money option, which its whole value is extrinsic because it doesn't have any intrinsic value. Um, but this curve that shows up actually still looks very similar. You have, you have the swoop, and then you have the build, and then you have the drop. 
It's exactly the same experiment, except the assumption that we that that you should have is that time is linear. So you should have a linear slope. So this actually the bottom line here, which is faint, is the linear slope of time. So that's the true value of that time. And any curve that happens beyond this linear time value is due to human behavior of the misconceptions of the value of that time due to selling and buying pressures and excitement and other things, right? Uh, so, and if you notice here, uh, there's a width, right? And this width is the amount of uh, behavioral impact on the price. And then there's this dawning moment where everyone starts to realize that it's overvalued and it drops down to zero because it's forced there by some fundamental law. Basically, all options have to expire worthless is the concept here. And it happens roughly around 17 days. Something to note. And this is during a recent time. So recently, you can sit here and say, well, okay, we're in relatively low volatility. And actually, I guess we could probably say that we're at historic low volatilities. Um, but, you know, it's relative because, you know, we could have four years from now, we have a fix of one, and now we're saying, well, this is high volatility. Um, so let's talk about a relative high volatility and the changes that happen at them. So here's a graph during high volatility. And you can already start to see some differences here. We can start to see that the width uh, is significantly wider uh, from the top to the bottom from where it starts out. So meaning there's significantly more impact from the behavior of the excitement of pushing the, the options in higher value uh, almost artificially. Now, there's still a linear line here. And if you notice, the linear line is probably a little bit steeper. And what's funny is that you still have the dawning moment that happens to be right about 17 days. So it didn't change, actually. The dawning moment just doesn't change. Uh, and, this, and this pattern repeats over and over and over and over and over, which is why if you, if you were, so say you wanted to take advantage of the massive amount of decay that happens at the end, you probably wouldn't even start a trade until 19 or 20 days or 17 days because that's where just the absolute most amount of theta decay is. If you're short, right? If, you know, if you're long, it's a different story. You really don't want to be long during these times. Um, at the money, at least. Okay, so let's have a full comparison, though. Let's graph two contango curves on top of each other. Let's do high volatility and low volatility and kind of compare and contrast the two. So in the yellow, we have a high volatility contango and we have a, in the blue, we have a low volatility contango. Uh, now I put some lines on here so that way we can uh, use some reference points. Uh, that way we know where slopes are and things like that, what time is perceived at, at any given time. So things to notice is that just like we noticed before, there's not a lot of contango edge in low volatility or, or relative low volatility. Um, it, it doesn't swoop up nearly as much as it swoops up in low volatility or in high volatility, I apologize. 
some things to notice too is that uh, because there's less edge, almost no matter where you go, you in low volatility, you almost match the linear value of time from start to finish. If you trade from 70 to 50, you're pretty much linear. Uh, there's no contango effect happening to your options at all. And then, uh, you know, if you trade from, say, uh, 40 down to 19, there was a little bit of a slope that happened right here, but it's still relatively linear compared to uh, this option. So there's not a lot of contango edge, but something drastic happens in high volatility. In high volatility, this contango gets so pumped up that it starts to affect how the options decay and the decay rate of them. So thing, something to be noticed is like uh, here. Uh, and I'm a terrible drawer, so please don't make fun of my non-straight lines. Um, but so if you look at the maximum contango effect, and this is why I drew this line on here. So say the maximum contango effect is from here to here. So this slope almost matches this slope. These slopes are almost identical, but yet the, the assumption, I know the, the mass assumption is that, well, it's high volatility, my options are starting out at a higher price. I'm going to get paid more for my risk. I'm going to get paid more for my option. I'm going to make more money because there's higher volatility. So they have to decay more, right? Well, for the entire length of the option, that's correct. But because of the contango, that edge actually gets eroded in here. So let's say you wanted to hold a trade for 30 days and that was your normal trade window. So let's say you trade a UB1, an M3, a, you know, just whatever. I'm not even going to list off all of them. But, but if, you, if, you if you have a trade and it stays in the market for 30 days on average, and that's where you, that's where you get in and you get out, if you were to trade that in, uh, say, high volatility and you made that trade during relative high volatility and it was 30 days, you would have to take this slope, which let me take care of this line, and hey Wayne, yes, we have a, like three questions on the same thing of what, of what strike are these options in comparison to the money? Oh, these are both at the money. I'm still I'm still on at the money right now. Are they at the money throughout the trade? Uh, I'm sorry, what? Are they at the money throughout the trade? Yes. Yeah, the strike isn't changing. This is actually just a single at-the-money option decaying all the way to zero. So this is, a, this is like, which we're going to get into spreads in just a second, but this is basically if you were to say, I'm going to sell an at-the-money option and just let it decay, and your assumption is, is that it's going to decay at a high rate uh, because it's, it's worth more, you know, it, that's what I was kind of getting to with this. It's just, it's showing the singular decay rate of, a, of, of an option. Right, and that's assuming the options at the money all the time. Right, right, yeah, all the time. Yeah. This is this is not you're not moving. I mean, so basically, what I'm actually doing is I as, as I'm grabbing a in which I'm taking market movement 
out of the picture because there's other dimensions to options. Um, and we'll talk about those other dimensions in just a little bit, but I, I don't want to get too far too fast. So, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm taking market movement out of the picture here. I'm actually just saying, look, as, as an at-the-money option, uh, and you look at it across expirations, the same strike. So if you have an at-the-money that says, it, you know, and, and the market is at 25.50, what does that 25.50 option worth at 20 days to expiration? What is it worth at 70 days to expiration? You know, because that, that, that is just, it's showing a static market which obviously we know the market isn't static, but that's why we also have trade parameters and risk adjustments and things like that. But as far as the raw amount of, of contango that you're going to capture, that's going to be the most reflective of what it's actually going to react like, barring volatility, other things like that. So, and, and we can talk about that in a little bit. Uh, did I answer that question? I think so. I, th I, th I think at least I got it. And another question that came in is, why do you label the section from nine days to expiration to 45 days as maximum contango effect? Contango is higher below and above this section. Right. The maximum contango effect, meaning that during those times, you're paying for the contango. So you're right. The degration, the maximum degration for the contango is exactly what that question uh, actually just labeled. Yeah, during uh, during this ten day stint down here, and that's where that's where you're getting paid for the contango. But the reason why I keep on talking about the meat of a trade is because a lot of options uh, systems or a lot of, of a lot of styles of trading deal with the, say, like 56-day window all the way to 30 days or 21 days or even like a 30 to the last week, you know. And when you deal with a certain time window and, say, you are used to a specific return during those time windows, this is a way that you can say, okay, well, what's different now than it was then you know, say if you were, say if you've been trading a system for two or three or four years, and now all of a sudden you have extremely low volatility, um, and you're not making as much as you used to. Okay, well, is it the volatility that's doing it? Is it the price of the options? Or where can I get that same value for it? Uh, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm alluding to right now, is like if you were to trade uh, this same window, say 50 days in high volatility, and that is where your system has significant edge, then in low volatility, uh, you don't want to be paying for less of a slope. You want to try to find where the, same, where the slope is equal. So you would have, say, two, uh, you would have two options, no pun intended here. Um, you would have two options. You can either get closer and trade for a shorter amount somewhere in this window because that would match this slope up here, or you could move further out. You know, my preference is to move further out so you don't have gap risk um, and things like that, and, and we can get into that in a little bit. Um, but if you move further out, uh, you you can nullify the effect. That you can you can get relative the same slope that you used to be able to get in high volatility. Um, it, now, your options, of course, are not worth the same, so you can't get the same 
risk-reward ratios or anything like that. But by moving out, you can mitigate those risk-reward ratios because by moving out in expirations, you also get a uh, you also get more credit for your shorts, so you can kind of get a little bit more risk-reward in your favor. Right. Yep. Um, any other ones before I move? <laughs> no, I think that's it. All right, sweet. Uh, hopefully, I didn't confuse anyone on that one. <laughs> but so. Um, well, you're just saying the maximum contango effect is when the line is most away from the th where it's supposed to be, right? Right, so, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. And and now I'm not saying that. I mean, because obviously, or, or by 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 looking at this, and he pointed it out, or or she, uh, whoever asked that question, that there's a significant edge right here compared to especially right now. I mean, the amount of decay rate and high volatility at the end of that option is extraordinary. And that's something to be had. And then also if you sit there and say, okay, well, if you look out here, look at the decay rate out here. You know, instead of just dealing with these problem areas, you can actually shift your trades, maybe trade a small trade here, and maybe trade a larger trade here, so that way you don't have to deal with as much gap risk, and you can actually get more credit for your risk. You know, there's, there's all sorts of different ways that you can use these contango curves um, to try to start uh, capturing a little bit more edge because this is a fundamental edge that, that happens in this market no matter what. And you'll see the pattern shows up over and over and over and over again. Um, and there's significantly more, some, uh, more in, uh, in high volatility. But most of us don't trade naked options. So it's like, well, what's the point of that if I'm talking about naked options? Well, okay, so let's let's talk about spreads. <clears throat> so if you talk about spreads, here, here is a list of contangos from at the highs. These are all at the monies. And then as you work down, you're moving towards out of the money. And these are both puts and calls. You can see in the legend over here we have puts and calls. Now, as you get further and further out of the money, my original assumption is that you would start to mimic more of a linear line. I never anticipated to, do, to go from a concave line of a contango to an inverse concave. I, I, it just never dawned on me that in, until... I started looking at uh, contangos that it actually even showed up that way at all. But these affect each other, and the width of your spreads start to have an effect on your trades and where the contango starts showing up for the decay of a spread as well. So let's look at spreads and how they decay and where's those contangos. So here is... So on that previous that previous oh. graph, Wayne, can you go back to that for a sec? I am. Now, what are you showing here? What's at the money? Oh, well, so at the money, at the money is up here, and and at the money is always going to have a higher um, a higher price. Okay, the highest now. curve, right? And then right. as you go down, you go out of the money. And these are all on twenty point increments, and they're puts and calls. So I'm just showing that the pattern 
as you get further and further and further out of the money, you go from a concave upward to a concave downward curve as you get further and further out of the money. Okay, for, very good. For a single strike. So these Thank are all you. single strikes. Um, they're just, you know, this one is, uh, say, <clears throat> at 26.25 uh, right here. And as it, so it has a severe drop-off from 70 days to 50 days. But then it has a slowing effect as it starts to come into expiration. So if, you, and this is something that kind of shows up in certain systems that are out there. So like if you trade a further out of the money trading system, you'll notice that it becomes further out in time in order to make its value. Now, you can say, well, okay, yeah, because you need to start out with more money in the auction, which that's true as well, but also where it makes its money tends to be further out in time because the short decay actually happens out there more rapidly than as you get closer to expiration. You're actually having a, a reverse effect uh, of your short decay than you do at the money. So like for say, if you have a short at the money and a long far out of the money, you'll end up having two uh, competing time values. So this one is slowing down and this one's slowing down, not a good situation. But then from here in, you have this one speeding up and this one's still slowing down. There's maybe something there. <clears throat> and so that's something that we'll talk about. Um, also, if you notice that we have that slope down, then a slope up, and then a slope down. So the, the, the edge still shows up. And what's nice about this is that you, or, or what happens here is that out here, they almost mimic each other if you start using spreads they still have a rapid decay out there because you're not paying for the contango yet. <clears throat> so this goes back to a spread. And this is exactly what I'm talking about here. So this is, so the blue line is at the money and the orange line is out of the money. And I'm using, <clears throat> I'm using a static 70% probability out of the money. So as volatility increases, your spread width is widening because your probability out of the money is also widening, but your at the money is still staying the same. Okay, so this is an example of what happens to your spread. So the blue line is your at the money decay rate. Your orange line is your out of the money decay rate, and you can see already that you have the inverse contangos looking at each other. <clears throat> and what happens here is you have a slope, which is nice because it's pretty. It's a pretty consistent slope. You know, it doesn't actually. Um, it doesn't have too much of a dome on it, uh, and it's low volatility, so it probably shouldn't. <clears throat> now, if you compare that to high volatility, which is the one on the right, and like I said, this is relative high volatility. You have the decay rate, and if you scale your spread with the 70% the probability out of the money, you actually have in the, in the middle of the DTE range, 
through this point, you actually have almost an identical slope rate. So no matter if you're in high volatility or low volatility, you're decaying relative the same rate. You're, you're paying the same amount of money for time, except there's a shift that happens right here at the end. In high volatility, there's a significant amount more drop-off at the end. So even though you get a, uh, a spread that looks better or it's wider or anything, or it starts to feel better in, in essence, it actually doesn't uh, perform the same. <clears throat> it's not decaying at a, uh, at a more rapid rate. It's actually just decaying at the same rate. During the middle of the DTE options, now, yes, we get pushed to the ends. There's an edge there yet again that we can sit there and talk about. This is also something that I want to talk about. These are using a single vertical. Okay, so this is an at the money with an out of the money. There's a long out of the money. There's a short at the money. And some people might sit there and say, okay, well, I trade butterflies or I trade condors or anything. But it's still a vertical. It's just two verticals looking at each other. Uh, it's all butterfly is. So they're still going to have the same effect because each piece is going to react the same way depending on your scaling, depending on your sizing. You just, you're just adding more cogs uh, in the mix is all you're doing with adding another vertical onto it. Um, and sometimes that vertical is going across the money or out of the money, so it adds complexity, so keep that in mind. And I'm trying to break this down into the most simplest form so that we can see what the options are doing under the hood. We're, we're, we're opening up the hood of the Ferrari and saying, okay, you know, what does this single cylinder react like at, uh, you know, at 10,000 RPM? You know, instead of saying, okay, well, my whole engine performs at 800 horsepower at 10,000 RPM. You know what I'm saying? So we're looking at very, very, very individual thing. And the whole point of everything that I'm graphing out is I'm attempting to isolate contango and the, the, the theta decay, the true theta decay, without any kind of volatility effects, without any... Um, without any environmental effects beyond just the contango. <clears throat> so, uh, from here, you can say, okay, well, what if, what if you use a different thing. What if, what if you say, okay, well, what if I don't scale to volatility? Uh, what does that even look like? What if, what if say, what if say, when the, when the, when the options, when the probability gets wider and the market starts to move around more, and that affects your options, right? And I'm still talking about contangos. So if that's affecting your options, why not just keep a static spread width? So, for example, what if you always use a 50-point fly? It's always 50 points on, like, say, the Russell. Or what if you always use a 70-point fly on the SPX? How d does it react differently in high volatility and low volatility? Do you get more edge? What is it? Well, let's look at that. So, if no adaptation to volatility, 
saying you don't scale with the size of the moves that are happening or the size of, of the, the option or the, the size of the market moves. This is what ends up happening. Is, is that, so this is an example of the last slide that we had, which is if you scale. And this is a, uh, and, and this one over here is if you weren't to scale and you were to keep a static spread width. So if you were to have a 50-point fly and then a 50-point fly no matter what the volatility was doing. <clears throat> and now there are trades out there that hedge these things. And, but no matter what, your, your, your options decay rate, your, your theta in the trade is the quote-unquote income that you're supposed to be getting. But are you actually getting income from the decay of options, or is it coming from somewhere else? So, or are you even making money from something else? Maybe you're making money from the fact that your options aren't decaying. So those are things that we can keep in mind too. But you can see, <clears throat> you can see already that we have a slope when we scale to the moves, and we basically almost have no discernible slope through a lot of the options decay time that we've perceived that we should be being paid for our risk. Something to note here. So if you, if, if you don't scale with volatility, if you don't scale with, uh, with the market moves, you are eroding your options decay rate edge that sometimes you thought you might have. Like I thought, I thought I didn't think that I thought the decay rate should have been the same. I'm just I just have a smaller vertical. If I have a smaller vertical, I mean, yeah, that just means I've got less money in the market, but it still should decay at the same rate, right? Well, actually, no, it doesn't, because as you if you don't scale your um, if you don't scale your spread width, you start to get two contangos that instead of, instead of being inverse to each other, they start to react like one another. And they start to both have contangos eroding the slope of time, which erodes your edge and in, in turn makes it to where the contango shows up even more rapidly at the end because it's being held on for so long. So if you've ever been in a trade and you said, well, you know, I'm just not making any money and the market hasn't gone anywhere. What's going on? Why is that? Maybe your spread width is too close for the environment that we have. There can be other, uh, other factors as well. So there are four dimensions of options that I would always urge people to keep in mind and I always keep in mind as I'm going through trading is there's contango, which is the edge of options decay, and if you're using spreads, then how it changes. Then there's skew, which is the volatility impact of each strike that you're using. Then there's your risk, which is your probability of out of the money or your risk of you know uh, runs, you know pushing your options uh, in the money, things like that. If you're a credit seller. Then there's also the return on capital, so the and uh, in, in how much you're how much money you're wanting to make for the amount of capital that you have in the game. So those are the four dimensions that 
we were kind of alluding to earlier, and that's where the balance comes into play. And I'm not eliminating. Or I'm not. I'm not saying that you shouldn't look at all uh, at those dimensions and say, okay, well, yeah, but if I use a 50-point fly in high volatility, I've always made good money. Okay, but is the 50-point fly decaying, or is it the fact that it's holding up? So you're making it on delta moves. You know, you're making it on something else. You're making it on the probability, or you're making it on the risk, or things like that or the skew even, instead of, uh, instead of decay rate, you know, you're, you're, you're purposely taking out the contango effect, which has an edge to it too. I mean, this is a perfect example, like say I wanted to take, so this is a short at the money and a long out of the money. If I wanted to take a, uh, a, a directional shot to the downside, this would be awesome because I could buy a debit spread that doesn't decay for really all this time. And I could make money on the movement of the market. So there's even a, there, there's just another way that you can look at these contango curves and, and you can eliminate things. Now, do you have volatility risk? Do you have you know other things? You know, that's those are the other dimensions that I would I'd urge you to make sure that you keep looking at. Um, so then you could okay, well, what if you don't trade at the money? You know, there's a lot of traders out there that, that push everything out of the money. You know, what if you what if you don't even get close to at the money? Well, let's see how that affects things. So these are so now this is out of the money with another out of the money strike. And if you notice that in low volatility, we actually have a pretty nice slope here. You know, it's pretty linear. Um, there is still a slight dome that shows up, but not nearly as much. So you get more of a linear edge, and you start to not have so much of a contango, uh, a, a contango uh, inhibitor or even an accelerator, um, but it's still there. And keep in mind also that by trading all out of the money that you're using, um, that you're using more capital and you're also gaining less value because you're further out of the money. So the, the, the small effects of the contango will make large effects to your P&L, um, especially as you start trading more of them. So to get into something a little bit more complex, but say you use PM, you know, and you use portfolio margining, and you're trading more of out of the money because you believe the edge is there, you actually still have the same contango issues, even though it's smaller. You still have the same contango issues out there because you're trading just more options, more size. So you're amplifying the small contango effect and amplifying it to where it actually still erodes your edge. So this is a low volatility over here. So this is low volatility. And this is high volatility. And I still just wanted to show the same example that what if you don't spread out your longs and shorts pending the volatility of the market. So this, if you, if you keep static spread width, the contangos start to match each other. And since they start to match each other, they hold their value. So it goes from a linear line that actually has a strong slope and low volatility to something that has less uh, less of a slope, 
and high volatility, which is why this is my assumption, of course, and, and if someone can counter it, it's okay. Um, but this is why in really low volatility, there's out-of-the-money trades and out-of-the-money trading systems that are working really well right now because if you have these wide spreads uh, or if you have these spreads that are far out from expiration and they're far from at the money, so they're really far out of the money, you have a nice linear slope rate of decay. It's very consistent and there's very little that affects it. Um, but in high volatility, it say we get, and I know right now it's low and it doesn't look like we'll ever get high volatility again, but say high volatility comes back, if you didn't keep in mind to widen yourself out, you'll actually be eroding the effects of that linear time decay that you get far out from expiration or uh, uh, far away from at the money. What normally happens is, uh, is, is those trades that are really far away from at the money don't have a lot of gamma or delta and they're very flat. And you'll notice that for a long time, especially in high volatility, you just won't make as much money as you anticipate for the amount of risk that you're putting out there. And then if you're even having to adjust a little bit during high volatility, you're really starting to erode because if you get whipped at all, you basically took away all the time value edge that you had because you weren't widening out. Uh, so, there's ways that you can adapt this, uh, <clears throat> and you can use different edges and, and, and different abilities. So, all weapons in the quiver. But to recap, so Contango is awesome, especially if you use it to your advantage, and there's definitely patterns that always, 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 always keep showing up. Uh, it's just human nature. It's never gone away. It might get degraded in low volatility and high volatility, but it doesn't change. This, the pattern is still there. Um, uh, obviously, time is not linearly valued when you take into the effect of the human perception of time. Uh, we tend to value it differently at different rates, and we have this lost perception of how much time is actually worth the further we get away from uh, present then we can see that at the money and out of the money decay at different rates. They decay at different times. They decay at different uh, exp expirations differently, and there's an edge to that as well. Then uh, spreads need to be scaled, or if you want to maintain the, the, the time decay edge in your options, uh, you, you need to spread them. Uh, then, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Uh, then uh, create your own opportunities. Um, look at look at the look at the information that I presented and make sure that they're uh, there are all ways that you can uh, use them, and there are ways that you can uh, make sure that they're not being used against you. In fact, as well, if there's any crazy things that happen, or if you want to talk about this more, or if there's any kind of feedback, and if there's any questions, uh, this is my contact info. I wanted to put a special thanks out to uh, John Locke. I've learned an amazing amount from you. Uh, I would not be where I am today without you, so 
very, very big props. Uh, thank you, John. Uh, and then Tyler and Ryan, they work with me at Blackberry Capital, and Todd for helping me out with grabbing Contango curves. Um, yeah, now it's open for lay it on me for every question and things that you could possibly think of. That's okay. We, we do have a few questions. And first is, is, should we be selling iron condors at 90 days to expiration and closing at 60 days to expiration, especially on the call side? Um, I mean, there's an there's an edge there, um, and it shows up, and and so there's something that uh, there's a pattern that I've seen too is that the calls far out from expiration, relatively close to at the money, uh, decay very rapidly far out from expiration. So it, it's 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 great that um, that that you're already starting to think of where they should be or or what could be a possible edge, but always keep in mind. Uh, your your risk and volatility and skew change. Uh, skew is 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 very very powerful. So like if you get a if you get a very bullish pressure on the market and you're short on the call side, that call vertical will get crushed or it'll it'll yeah. it'll get very expensive on you. And if you shorted it early, it's gonna it's not gonna be very you're not going to be very happy with that outcome. But at the same time, if the pressure gets to the downside, you'll get a good rampant pop in your uh, in that vertical as well. So, you know, keep in mind all of the dimensions uh, of an options trade um, and use Contango as an additive. So I would say, like, if you already have a trade that uses, say, something that, uh, like an iron condor or something like that, uh, and you're used to a certain return structure, and there's a volatility change, or there's uh, the environment's changing, or probabilities are widening out, that you know where the optimal spot is, and then, of course, manage your risk uh, throughout. Right. So, I mean, ultimately, you'd like to get your short strike on the sad-faced contango curve and the long strike on the happy-faced contango curve. And, uh, and have the market sit, right? So, Right, right, yeah, and just risk adjust, yeah. Right, right. So that would obviously be, be the best case scenario. And, and in order to do that, I guess you'd have to know what those curves are. And how did, how did you guys, how, what tools did you use to, uh, to pull those curves? You know, um, so my, my uncle Todd, I, I came up with this crazy idea, and he actually ended up um, – uh, uh, making an Excel sheet that just uh, it just grabs the so it, it's really simple actually it just grabs the extrinsic value of any option um, at their exact moment in time you know at, at present time and then it just grabs them out per the DTE because the the thought is exactly like those graphs that I showed. Um, is that as it gets closer to expiration, uh, whatever strike you're using, if it's in the same spot, it should decay at that rate. Now, if the options move, um, it, it changes its reaction. And that's actually something to point out as well. If you sell an at the money and it moves to an out of the money, it's going to now react like an out of the money option because now it is. So you first have a contango pump, 
and say you shorted it during a contango time period that there's a lot of contango at the money, and then the market moves away from it and, and in your favor, you make a lot of money, right? And you're like, boom, yes. Well, that's also because now it's starting to react like an out-of-the-money option, which means that now the decay rate is going to have the slowing effect instead of the speeding up effect. So it basically the movement of the market it completely took away the contango effect. Um, right, and I think people need to understand that when you go over a presentation like this, you're just isolating a contango effect, but that's that changes with everything when the right. market moves or everything. Yeah, that's a thing to keep in mind. Um, okay, so really interesting presentation, Wayne. Do you know of any platforms or standalone software that will show you contango curves for various strike slices? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I don't know of a program out there, which is why I had, um... Your uncle did it, yeah, right. Right, which is why I had my uncle do it, um, and, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's possible to share. It's nothing crazy, um, but it's not, it's not perfected or anything like that. Um, and I can work on trying to get it, get something out there, um, but of course... I want to make sure that I don't step on any toes on trying to release something that um, you know I don't necessarily it's not it's not my product or it's not my thing. So, but yeah, I mean, if you just if you graph, if I mean, the way that we were doing it uh, was <clears throat> in um, Excel, um, and it ended up uh, being really cool uh, how it actually works. I can um, I can show you. Uh, I don't exactly, you know, but now that I'm looking at it. Of course, I don't have Toss running right now, but it uh, this is a uh, this is just what it is. Um, but there's a lot of logic in this. Um, so normally speaking, if I have Toss open, which I can open it up and it, I can show you, um, but it, it grabs data in from uh, Toss. And like I said, this is all credit to uh, my uncle Todd uh, Todd Klump. Um and it'll actually graph these out and see these are just DTEs and it'll just graph the strike as it's going down and uh, it'll, it'll change. But it's something that can be made uh, in Excel um, and I'm not aware of a program that does it, uh, but it is something that is extremely useful for say if you're entering a trade. Um, so we can go back to the presentation actually because I think uh, this will actually work out really well. Um, say you're entering a trade, um, say you're entering a trade, uh, would you want to enter it on this day, you know, or this, this DTE, you know, is that where you want to be? Because you can actually see that going to the next expiration, you're actually going to be at even less slope than, uh, so you have a slope that looks like this, but then you also have a slope that looks like this. You know, which one would you rather be on? Well, optimal entry right now for the pricing of these options is not at 45 days. You'd rather stay in the 38-day or go out beyond it because that's where the decay rate is optimal. So you can actually see where uh, options in general are underpriced or overpriced for their linear time value. Um, and so that's, I mean, yeah, if you, if you can make the Excel program or if we can, if we end up making it available, uh, whether, whether it be through, you know, Blackbeard Capital or whether it be through something else, um, or, or, or somewhere, 
it's it's very useful. Yeah. Well, like I said, we can investigate that and, and see where that goes. Right. All right. So uh, let's see. What ha uh, we, Okay, we already did that. Oh, what's what tools do you use to scale your spreads? Which I guess was probably that spreadsheet, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, you can use so uh, as you as the volatility increases or decreases. I'm looking for a specific slope rate, um, and so if you look and and there's uh, if you widen out your spreads too far you start to put too much capital in the market for the amount of money that you're getting. So if you take a spread and you start out, like say 10, 10 points wide, and you keep widening it and widening it and widening it and graphing each point, it will give you a curve, right, of where the, the most amount of return on capital is going to be and then the least amount of return on capital, right? And as you get wider and wider, it'll be less return on capital. Then if you... Uh, then if you graph the slope rate of each one of those spreads for their DTE, you'll get a convergence. And wherever that convergence is, is where the optimal uh, strike width is for the amount of volatility that's in the market. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. That's fantastic. All right. Let's see. Uh, let's see what happens to these contango spread curves as, on a volatility shift from low to high or high to low. Uh, actually, that's on this slide right now. Actually, uh, there it is. Yeah, you 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 get um, you get a obvious obvious or, or uh, so during a during a low effect or during a low volatility you get less of an effect and during a high volatility you get a, a more contango effect um, and then if you don't spread out your uh, strikes you can still keep a relative same slope sh uh, change um, but you there's significantly less edge at the end um, so that's something to always keep in mind Right, and whether you want to take the risk of going into expiration or not, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Do I want to take this risk for this possible uh, outcome? I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Okay, can you speak of contango climate changing to one of backwardation? Um, yeah, so there is a so, – so options can backwardate. And any time an option backwardates, there is an extreme, extreme edge in that. Because if you get, say, uh, say from this point to this point, it backwardates, it's now every future date ahead of it has to make up for that because it's forced to zero. So if you get a slope up into here, People, the, the, the slope, the, the perceived value from back here to this point is actually increasing, which is completely false because it has to hit zero. And so anytime that you have a backwardation, it's an extreme, extreme edge in selling it if you can control your risk and the, the other factors like volatility and things are not going to... Uh, going to hurt you. So, but backwardation is different than backwardation in the contango curve 
is different than backwardation in volatility. If you get a backwardation in volatility, it does not necessarily mean that you're going to get backwardation in the contango because the volatility only has the effect on the extrinsic value. And if there's less extrinsic value in a closer DTE month than a further out DTE month, even if you get an, a 100% increase in volatility, it still might not equal the extrinsic value of that far out month. But if the contango ever backwardates at any point in time, I mean, grab it like you wouldn't believe. I mean, you better, I mean, that's a risk of, or that's a trade of a lifetime because it only happens morning of August 24th, you know, kind of thing. So, Right. Yeah. When you get an extreme volatility jackup. Yeah. Right, right. Where it actually pumps the extrinsic value of the closer dated options higher than the further dated ones. Like the whole value of the option is actually more. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Okay, so let's see here. Um, what else do we have for questions? So uh, do you have a database of options prices for each day closing and then just graph it? Uh, I, think, I think you answered that already. Uh, would you be willing to share the spreadsheet? You answered that. Are, you, are the skew curves and well, are, the, are skew curves the same thing or uh, as your contango curves or are they different? A, a skew is, is extremely different than contango. They're two separate things completely because skew is, is volatility and, uh, and that's only volatility, but contango is the actual value of the option. So contango, in essence, does contain the skew because it's using probability and skew equals the total price of the option. Which is going to equal the is which over time is going to equal the contango. So, if and that's why uh, you have an inverse contango out of the money, and you have a regular contango or or a concave contango at the money, is because the is because of the drastic skew uh, differences. So, like if you notice, like just just out of the money on the calls, uh, when there's selling pressure in the market. Um, the out-of-the-money calls will actually be very linear, but the uh, like the just out-of-the-money calls will be very linear, but the just out-of-the-money puts will actually have a significant pumped uh, uh, contango, things like that. Uh, sort of weird things will start happening um, because the calls and the puts just out-of-the-money start to react very differently, and you can start seeing um, uh, where the buying and selling pressure is, which, of course, is also skew. So, they're not quite mutually exclusive because Contango uh, is it, it has skew built into it as well. Right. Well, I think the problem with a volatility number is, is it is a, a volatility number is a percentage of some underlying number, where right. the Contango already has includes that underlying number. So right. they're going to be very different. Right. So. Um, uh, in other words, if you look at the actual time value in an option, like you said, they're they're generally uh, the highest at the money. Yet volatility is higher when you go out of the money, even though the actual time premium in the option is worth less. Right, exactly, and and that's just that's due to skew, right? You know, I mean, because skew is pumping up the volatility. Because if there's extra buying back there, 
we see it in skew, you know, for people hedging and things like that, or just more demand for those options, because uh, that's what skew is, is demand. Um, right. Well, you might get a you might get a large skew or a large increase in implied volatility, but almost nothing in your contango numbers. Right. Right. Exactly. Because there's no time premium in them. <laughs> I mean, there's no actual time premium in them. <laughs> right. Because volatility it, it only affects the extrinsic value. So if there's no extrinsic value, it's not going to change it much. Right. You know? Yeah. Exactly. It's only a percentage of that. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, nice. Okay. So, what is the volatility on the vertical axis? Oh, is that volatility on the vertical axis or extrinsic value? And I believe you had it listed as extrinsic value, right? Extrinsic value, yes, that's correct. Okay. And uh, how would the how would in the money options degrade say deep in the money puts? How would in the money options degrade? Well, there's 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 put call parity. So no matter what, uh, the uh, the the in the money extrinsic value is going to decay. The exact same as an out of the money option is, uh, that's on a call, a say versus a put. Um, they're still going to decay at the same rate, except now you have uh, intrinsic value involved, and the intrinsic value is just going to be, um, you know, the the raw market movement. Uh, so it's not uh, so so it you know your deltas obviously are significantly different because now you have intrinsic value. Right. And let's see, how closely, oh, hold on. How closely does extrinsic value quoted by thinkorswim reflect the prices that are filled? Ooh, you know, I am not an expert at uh, thinkorswim's models and things like that. Um, you know, but, and, and on top of that, you know, there's, there's, market, there's market pressure. So it can be, it can be pushed around. Um, I mean, for what? For what an option fills at and what it's modeled out at, especially in Thinkorswim, uh, are are definitely depending on the asset are are, are very different. You know, it's it's kind of funny because like you know the Russell, um, the Russell bid ask um, is really wide, uh, but IWM is really tight. You know, so you can um, you can kind of make inferences as far as that goes, uh, just where they should go. Right. Well, ultimately, you have to figure out what you get filled at because. If you fill it a different time premium, that kind of goofs everything up, doesn't it? Right, changes everything. Yeah, yeah. So you have to keep that in mind. Uh, you've lost your edge if you if you didn't get the value you thought you were going to get for something. Right. Especially if you're going short that option. So yeah. So definitely, I think pricing is important. And keeping that in mind, you might have a perfect theoretical setup, but if you can't fill at that price, then it may be better or worse depending on what it fills at. Things, all things to keep in mind. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's all I have for questions, Wayne. And I don't think I have any other questions. I think this was a thank you for the fantastic presentation. It was very educational. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, something that a well, lot of people aren't looking at. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess that didn't ever really dawn on me. I mean, we, you know, <laughs> the whole point of this presentation actually showed up because. I made an off-the-cuff comment in the Skype group, in the premium Skype group, uh, that I was like, well, you know, because I think someone was complaining about, um, or, or someone was noting, not necessarily complaining, but someone was noting that uh, the butterflies were expensive in a certain expiration, and I was like, well, just move out an expiration, you know, the contango is not that much of an effect right now, <laughs> and, and, and everyone was like, 
can tango? And I was like, yeah, I can tango. Like, like it was nothing. And I'm like, oh, no, I guess. So I was like, well, I guess I'll have to do a presentation. <laughs> now I have to explain myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, just the things that I, I mean, you, you think that, I mean, like, I, I guess, yeah, you just don't, you don't notice that um, sometimes you think differently when you think differently or you think, you know, you just notice things that maybe some don't. I, so I thought it was great that I was like, well, fantastic. I can, I can share with people maybe a different perspective. And, uh, you know, definitely, it, you know, if you want to feedback ideas, uh, ideas to me or ideas to John or anything, I mean, I, I love being a part of, uh, of locking your success and, and, and a part of black peer capital. And, uh, you know, if ideas or, or, or thoughts or questions, uh, any of that, uh, is, is, is highly welcome. Yes, bring on the questions, and uh, we'll all we'll all we'll, we always have someone who will research them out. So, <laughs> and Wayne's, uh, thank you for your contribution, Wayne. We appreciate that. And I guess we'll wrap it up. It was a fantastic presentation, and we got a lot of good comments here. All right, thanks. All right, thank you. Thank you, and we will wrap this up.